This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Everyone's always in the right spot. They work so hard. They're good skaters. They're good at making plays. So um, when you get guys like that, it's just easy to play. And, um, you know, found a little chemistry there the last couple of games, so it's uh, been going well. We had a good talk and, you know, not turning the puck over and trying to get it behind their D and get on the forecheck and did a lot better job of that. And I think the defenseman was uh, we were a little bit more aggressive up ice as well. So, uh, you know, Vassin made some key saves for us, obviously. But, uh, yeah, great uh, turnaround going into third. Our guys, they really dug in. That, that's a really, really good hockey team over there. And uh, you know, I think our, our goalie kept us in it to that point. And then, you know, the big boys kind of took over after that. I thought it was a, uh, we just kind of leaned on them, leaned on them, leaned on them. And we had so many close chances to score there. But it was fitting that Tony got it because I thought he was, uh, you know, the best player on the ice tonight. Oh, yes, he was. Tony. Mm-hmm. Great game. You think he's including goaltender? In that equation, when he says best player on the ice, no. <laughs> yeah, I thought Vasilevsky. Yeah, I gave Vasi the first star. You did. Sorelli was first star in the building. Vasi yeah. was second star. Lightning don't even come close to winning that game if not for Vasilevsky. No, they don't. They don't. He was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. So was Sorelli. Yeah, and that's fine. We're going to go over that in a couple of minutes here. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. What do you think? I watched the Super Bowl. I don't always watch the Super Bowl from beginning to end. I mean, people who listen to the show understand that I don't, like, live and breathe and sleep sports when I'm not kind of involved with the lightning. So, like, if I'm around sports, I don't turn away, but I don't seek it. When the Bucks played in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. But I was actually at a friend's, actually not a friend's house, I connected with a friend, a guy I went to college with who lives in Dallas. He and his wife invited me to a friend of theirs. Oh, So nice. that's how a lot of people spend the Super Bowl, right? It's kind of like Big a day. gathering, got together. There were five of us. Yeah. And so I did watch the whole game, and it was quite a finish, wasn't it? It was entertaining. What was interesting about all of that was, you know, usually – as we've discussed in life and sports, it's you can always poke holes in an argument, but usually mm-hmm. defense wins championships. Yeah, it's the cute little saying, but I, I kind of agree with it. I think sayings, they're said, they're cliche because they hold meaning. You and know, a lack often. of defense can cost you a championship. Yeah. <laughs> right? usually, the inverse is also true. That's true. Usually you'll hear people say, you know, offense win ga- wins games, defense wins championships. And I, I kind of tend to agree with that a little bit. I think the Lightning are a pretty good example of it. Yeah, they can score, but, I mean, it's been defense. It's been mm-hmm. commitment to defense that has allowed them to be this successful over the last three years specifically. But, I, you know, last night, I, that really didn't happen. You know, without getting too much uh, down the rabbit hole here, I like the Eagles in part because I liked what they could do up front and get a pass rush. And that just didn't happen. I don't think they had any sacks. And I mean, right. you could make the argument Against either a guy kind of on what one yeah. and a half legs. Who was say? hobbled? Yeah, who was hobbled? Yeah. So you Holmes. you could have made the case that you know defense didn't win championships in that last game. Although that's I will make the point: the Eagles were in a great spot in the first half because their defense did very well. They hold Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense to what one touchdown. The other touchdown came from the Chiefs defense 
And then in the second half, while the Chiefs defense wasn't perfect, the big swing, and you can tell that I watched the game here because I, I kind of noted the ebbs and flows, the Chiefs went touchdown, hold the Eagles to a field goal, touchdown Chiefs, stop Eagles, touchdown Chiefs. So that swing really helped the Chiefs grab control of the game where their defense, in in five possessions, they scored three touchdowns offensively, and their defense held the Eagles to three points. So I would make the argument, Greg, that the Chiefs' defense did have a role in how the second half unfolded. Now that then they gave up the touchdown and the two-point conversion on the next possession, which is why we had the dramatic finish. But, you know, how did the Chiefs come back from 10 points down at halftime? Their offense, yes, but, I mean, their defense contributed. If they just you – know, like if the Eagles have been able to match touchdowns in the second half, they would have won the game. It's very true. It is very true, and that's just kind of how it plays out. I understand it, but mm-hmm. – how many podcasts today on football, particularly in the Philadelphia area, are focusing on officiating, though, which we spent a fair amount of time on the show the yeah. other day talking about officiating, and that was relating to that lightning avalanche game with the hand pass. Sure. Coach's challenge, and I think I mentioned Dave Jackson was brought in to give his analysis, and you even said for NFL games, sometimes the, the ex-official – either gets it wrong or isn't clear in his explanation. I'll be curious to to kind of hear from impartial sources what they thought of that non, or it was a call, not a non-call, the call that was made at the end of the game that greatly benefited Kansas City. Yeah, and that's one of those you often hear for those who didn't like the call. And again, for those who did, I think you can throw this to hockey because – You'll hear a lot of people say, was it by the rule book a penalty? And most people would say, yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. But then the the flip side is we just don't like that call in that moment. Yeah. That's what you hear. Steve was saying before we went on the air, you know, there were other instances of plays like that that weren't called. So maybe there was a lack of consistency. And I think you you hear from players and coaches alike, if you can, the one thing they'd like would be consistency. But Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, you throw that consistency in a late game like that, where the stakes are at their highest, I don't know if officials in any sport have the you-know-whats to call something that would be, as you often say, Dave, on the airwaves, kind of a a nicky-nacky call. Right. You know what I mean? I, I think... Because in hockey, we see it all the time. What, what is always the knock? Well, I actually think people like it. Well, they're letting them play, boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I saw some of that commentary. Know? Why not yeah. let them play? So here's the one thing I will say in defense of the officials. It's really not in defense of the officials. It's more a condemnation of, of the player that was called for the penalty who owned up to it after the game. I guess he said, you know, I held him. He did. And then we can get, then we can get yeah. to the lightning and, and switch topics here. Sure, sure. But, again, Steve was was saying before we went on the air, the one thing in that situation that would spell the most trouble for the Eagles was a penalty and giving the Chiefs extra downs. Yeah. 
a touchdown on that play would have been actually less damaging in some ways than a penalty because the Eagles would have had close to two minutes to try and drive down the field, sure. which they showed they could do, yeah. and tie the game. A penalty there, which gives the Chiefs extra downs, allows them to milk the clock. As it turned out, they kicked a field goal, and there's no time left for the Eagles. So if you're on the Eagles' defense, what is the one thing that should have been really emphasized going into that play? Whatever we do, whatever we do, do not take a penalty. I mean, you hear that in basketball, right? Whatever you do, don't foul. (laughs) Let the guy take a shot if need be. And maybe you're in the moment. I mean, it's hard to know. These are the best of the best in their profession, and you're making a play on instinct. Yeah, and quarterback. The guy had to step on you, so you instinctively grab him. But that was the one thing the Eagles needed to avoid. And that player gave the officials a chance to make the call. Whether you feel the call should have been made or not. Yeah. It's not like he didn't grab him. He did. He did. He did. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt he he grabbed. It's just how often does the official call it in that in that particular? But you know play? how you can ensure the official won't call it. Don't grab him. Yeah, just let him go. I think that was the point Steve was making. <laughs> yeah, just like, let him go. Whatever you do, don't take a penalty. Give him a touchdown yeah. before you take a penalty. Yep. So and you know there was some talk that the pass was uncatchable, which I guess on a holding call that doesn't apply. But sure. if the pass wasn't catchable, then had he not held him, it would have been incomplete. Right. Always storylines. Yeah. Always storylines. But it was fun. Yeah. And uh, it was a good game. I mean, it was. We've seen some Super Bowls that are like 35 point differential in the second half or whatever. So this one definitely wasn't that. No doubt about that. People want to react anything about that? You can uh, at Bolts Radio. We have some lightning topics to debate. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about the Dallas game. And, of course, the Lightning victorious, and we're going to get to some of your comments and your questions. And I think I said to you on the post game, I thought this was a classic case where I think we all looked at the final numbers, and we knew Vassie was good. But I, I got the sense, just from how the game played out through the first couple of periods, that if there was a way to measure even a little bit more how good Vassy was in those first two periods, somehow there needs to be a metric mm-hmm. that we could look at. Because I, I thought that was a classic case of a goaltender allowing your team to stay in the game, to pick up points. Maybe when another goaltender would have allowed multiple goals and have your team get that opportunity to earn points. I thought that in many ways was a... I don't want to say a vintage Andre Vasilevsky game, but the Lightning really never found their legs partner until the third. And I thought it was a scenario where when you take a look at the big picture there, um, Vasi really did give them an opportunity to win that game, and they did. Yeah, the number of scoring chances the Stars generated throughout the game, but especially in the first two periods, should have yielded more than one goal. You know, I watched Pete DeBoer's post-game and he was very measured. Like, he didn't seem particularly upset that they lost the game. He was kind of like, well, we got to use this as a learning experience that, you know, because he didn't like the last six to seven minutes, which were outstanding for the Lightning. So we can get into their third period, and in particular, the the last several minutes of the third period that really swung the game. But DeBoer also said that 
you know, we had a chance to put them down one nothing, or when it was 1-1, we could have gone up 2-1 or 3-1. He said we had plenty of scoring chances, and last year's Dallas team defended very well but had trouble scoring. And a question then came subsequently, you know, is this team like last year's team? He's basically laughed it off. He's like, what are you talking about? We're one of the top scoring teams in the league. You know, we have not had a problem scoring goals this year. It's just today we didn't finish. And he referenced the power play, too, which went 0 for 4. And Vassy was a big, big part of that. I mean, there were some notable saves. Like, he made, and this was one of the chances the Stars had in the third period, but Gurianov had a breakaway, shy of the halfway point of the third when the game was 1-1. Rope Hintz had a shorthanded breakaway in the second period. How about the save he made on Hockenpah in the first period, which was a bang-bang play because Hintz hit the post. Yeah, absolutely. And the puck came right into the slot. And Hockenpot's like right in his wheelhouse. And Vassy made an incredible stop. That might have been his best of the night. So they weren't all that spectacular, but the volume of tough saves that he had to make was very, very high. And it's not even reflected overly in the in the stat line. I mean, the stars through two periods had 24 shots, but I would say of those 24 shots, like definitely double-digit scoring chances of varying degrees. And because of Vassy, the Lightning were right there at 1-1 through two periods, and they had a chance to win or tie the third period and get points out of this game, and they delivered their best period of the three in the third. But the first two periods were not pretty for the Lightning. They weren't. I mean, they didn't manage the puck very well. I think that their passes were getting they were getting disrupted because the Stars are not only a really good offensive team, they're a very good defensive team in how they – play structured hockey their sticks are in the lanes and the Lightning just didn't have a lot of possession when they had the puck they were making plays they were getting disrupted picked off coming back the other way you felt like the Lightning were swimming upstream for much of the opening 40 minutes and they corrected that in the third so Gabby did the interviews for us because it was a national tv game she had Sorelli on after the second period he had scored the goal in the second period and she basically said, you know, what do you guys need to do in the third? And Sorelli said, get pucks behind their D, limit turnovers. You just heard the clip from Victor Hedman after the game. He said, in the third period, we we talked about it in the intermission, get pucks behind their D, limit turnovers. They really kind of simplified their game. They became a lot more north. And as a result, they had way more puck possession in the third period than they did in either the first or the second, yeah. which alleviated a lot of that pressure. That, that Dallas was applying, and Coop is right when he said, you know, we had some close calls. They did in the third period. They had some deflected pucks that just missed. Yeah. Right before the last TV timeout, and the Lightning dominated play coming out of the last TV timeout, which was kind of late. Like, the last TV timeout supposed to be first whistle under six minutes. It came with under three and a half minutes left. But that whistle occurred after Stamkos was open in front and went to his backhand, and Jamie Benn blocked the attempt right so that was another close call and it wasn't really a bounce because Sorelli did put his stick on on the puck on the winning goal but they maneuvered it in front and it went in whereas earlier in the period they'd been getting pucks toward the net and it wasn't going in for sure. them but that's what happens when you have more possession right yeah like they did much better in every metric in the third period 15-5 with the shots attempts were 27 17 they won the face-off battle in the third period after losing it in each of the first two periods so all of that led to more possession for them 
less possession for Dallas. So a really good play by Hedman on the on that goal. Mm-hmm. You know, going around the net. I mean, we talked about this with him adding that that layer of offensive output, and you know it's in there. And I feel like we started to see more and more of that over the last few weeks, which is a really good sign. Uh, the thing about Sorelli is that it's just reinforces his importance to this team being able to drive play and partner. This isn't just about defense. This is also about offense because that line, whether it's Hagel on his line or Stamkos, he's playing with Kalorn. That line has the potential to be a very dangerous offensive uh, unit. And it's different than the first line because of some of the things that they can do differently from a, a skill set perspective, you know, whether it's, you know, grinding things out, cycling a little bit. But I think the ability to finish also makes them dangerous. I actually like Hagel more. <laughs> now that I, you know, I'm talking out loud, I actually like Hagel a little bit more on that line than I do but on the first But it was switched. Line. It was switched again. It was. It was. Late second. I Coop get it. Swapped Hagel and Stamkos. And you wonder. And, and it helped their game in the third y- period. And you wonder if that's just going to be kind of um, whoever they're playing is going to, in some instances, determine where those guys play. I, I, and I don't know if it's more of just a feel thing in-game that Cooper has, or does Hagel match up better with certain teams playing with Sorelli and Kaloran than he would on a first line? You know, like, does the opponent yeah. matter? I don't know. Well, maybe. I don't well, know. Tomorrow, the Lightning see Colorado, they won't have last change, but Sorelli was with, sorry, Hagel was with Sorelli and Kaloran when they matched against the McKinnon line. Yeah. Very effectively. I will tell you, Greg, I am at the practice arena. The Lightning have just taken the ice. You can't really hear the puck because I'm in the nice, comfortable sitting area that's temperature controlled <laughs> as opposed to being on the stands. And and it's a lot colder there, so you probably won't hear many pucks. But I can tell you they're just running the lines right now. And Hagel is with Point and Kucherov. And Stampkos is yep. playing with Sorelli and Kalorn. So they're, they're keeping the lines the way they finished against Dallas. The other change that Coop made in the third period, so the Lightning used 7D, Foot did not play a lot in the third period, but he did kind of reunite at times Cole and Chernak in the third period. Cole had been playing with Pervix, and Sergachev had been playing with Chernak as a shutdown pair against Colorado, and they just ran the D that I just saw, and Sergachev was back with Chernak. So it looks like they're going to continue playing together for a bit, and Nick Paul is taking his usual line rush with his typical line mates, Maroon and Colton. Good point. So Paul looks like there. he's back, and and Coop indicated it looked good for him to return after missing the Saturday afternoon game. Yeah. And the D kind of were how the D were going into the game on Saturday. But the hagel goes switch, at least for now, looks like it's it's going to carry over into tomorrow's game. Do you have any strong feel on either either situation with those players? You know, whether it's Stammer or Hagel? Because I, I feel like it, it yeah. doesn't matter in many ways. <laughs> They've And listen, I, I think Hagel's ability and the confidence that he got early on playing with that top unit has allowed him maybe to go back and forth, and it really doesn't matter. I think that's a perfect sign of a confident player. doesn't matter where he's in the lineup. He feels like he's going to produce. I agree, and he had a great game too. So my three stars were Vasilevsky, Sorelli, and Hagel because I felt after Vasilevsky, even before Sorelli scored the winning goal, even before they made the the line changes, I think I said on the air, I thought Sorelli and Hagel were the two best Lightning players. That might have been a situation 
situation where Coop is getting a feel for like, all right, Sorelli and Hagel are really going. They're the two guys, other than Vassy, who are really going in this game. When he made the switch late second, I'm going to spread the wealth here and 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 put Hagel with, with Point and Kucherov. I kind of feel this way, Greg, and it may not be accurate, but when Hagel is not with Sorelli and Kalorn and the Lightning are in a game where there is a line on the other team that's giving them some trouble, the Hagel Sorelli Kalorn unit is almost like a security blanket where like if he needs to to focus on locking down a talented line on the other team, that's that's the line that he's gonna go to. It's more that than boy, we really need to load up and and put stamp ghosts with point and Kucherov. But that's that's how I'm I'm feeling right now, you know, based on what I've seen when he's made the switch in that direction this year. I don't think that they were having necessarily a specific matchup problem against Dallas. I think that he was just looking to get the team going, and so he made the switch and it worked. Yeah, yeah. And it, that wasn't the only reason. Everybody played a lot better in the third period, right? Interesting. But it's clear, like your point was, Hagel seems to do well no matter where he is, and that is true. Yeah, I think that's just the perfect sign of a confident player. And it's it's so it's okay. That's that's a very positive thing that is developing here for this lightning team as they continue to kind of move forward and and play some of these games. But I, I was impressed with Dallas. You know, you can see why yeah. Dallas is is where they are. They're a Stanley Cup contender. You know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not they shy are. about saying that. You know, I think that Ottinger, top line they have, like they had yeah. a tough statistical day. I think all three of those guys finished minus three, but they right. are among the league leaders in plus minus. Right. This year, talking about Robertson, Hints, and Pavelski, and you could see like they they have some kind of chemistry. They can line. buzz. They can buzz. Yeah. There's no. And you know what? Their veterans are playing better. You know, a lot of people thought Jamie Ben, in particular, mm-hmm. maybe had lost a lot recently, but I mean, he is—he has found maybe his his groove, so to speak, and maybe his role on that team, whatever you want to call it. He's productive. Sagan, you know, I know he's had some some injury issues over the last couple of years that maybe have prevented his high end speed from really getting back. But I, I've always thought he was a really good player, and you know, I, I think put in the right setting there, I think he can still be very valuable you know, to that team. So they have a, mm-hmm. a nice mixture of veteran players and younger players who are stars. I think that's the other thing. It's one thing to have some young players who are pretty good. It's another to have some guys who can take over a game when called upon. And I think you're going to need that in the playoffs. And, you know, obviously goaltending is is going to be something that they feel like they've addressed and they have yeah. with Anger, But And look, we've only seen Wedgwood in two games. But he's good, played huh? very well in he both has. those games. He's looked pretty good. He's allowed two goals in two games against the Lightning total. Yes, yes. So from that standpoint, it was it was good to see at Bolts Radio. If anybody wants to get involved in the conversation, they certainly can. You may take some questions here. Do you want to? Sure. Is there anything else you wanted to hit on a little bit from that? Well, game? a quick note on Colorado. It sounds it. like we'll know tomorrow at the skate. Sounds like the Avs maybe getting some guys back, including McCarr and possibly Josh Manson. Yeah. Y'all, you would and think McCarr is getting Panthers. closer. Yeah, they did beat the Panthers in that game after they played the Lightning and lost 5 yeah. nothing. which a team like Colorado, like if you're the Panthers, you're like, great. The Avs just lost 5 nothing. Right. <laughs> what, what are we going to see today? And they saw a really spirited game from Colorado. Right. 
You know what we probably need to address if we have time later in the show? Look at the trades that have been trickling in. The Tarasenko, really, the, the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And how that impacts these. That happened last week. It did. But I feel like we didn't hit on it, did we? I feel like we didn't touch on we it. We didn't. No. I mean, it's at least worth noting because you're starting to see, like, Patrick Kane's comments <laughs> after that trade. Well, meaning that basically, he, he was like, I Rangers. wanted to go there. Yeah. Right. Uh, he saw the Rangers as a destination right. that he would have been right. okay going there. Oh, but yeah, they can't sure. they can't trade they can't for do him it. now. Yeah. Right. For sure. So maybe we'll touch on that if we have time. All right. Let's get into some questions. Al, Sorelli has been in the Selkie conversation for the last few years. One has to wonder if Hagel should also be in the conversation. His defensive and PK skills are better than expected. And Hagel and Sorelli are a pair on penalty kill. And they were very, very good against the Stars. So my ignorance they had a number is going to play of rushes out here. up ice because they disrupted plays. Yeah, my ignorance is going to play out here. How many wingers have won the Selkie? For whatever yeah, reason, Datsuk came to mind. Was Datsuk? He was a winger, wasn't he? I feel like he did. No, play, but he I was thought a he was center. And it was Zetterberg. I don't know. Matthew Darsh is sitting three tables down for me. I'm going to shut off my mic and call to him and ask him. <laughs> he would probably know. Hold he on. would probably Yeah, go ahead. It's a good question. Uh, my, my first instinct, Al, would have been, I don't know if it's given out to players on the wing. You feel like that's, again, it's, it's this bias, I think, that is out there in sports. It's like that in anything, whether you give out an award or your ranking players. The last winger to win it was Yuri Lettinen in 0203. Yuri Lettinen. He won right. it three times. He won it 97, 98, 98, 99, and then the 0203. Yeah, Steve season. had to look it up. Matthew Darsh just called that Yuri Lettinen. Yeah, he <laughs> didn't great. even need to look it up. Well, but, we are in Dallas. I asked him, Bob Ganey. Bob Ganey was not a center. And he said, yeah, Bob Ganey was a winger. Gotcha. Bob Ganey would have won it, too. I mean, so Steve said 02. But mostly it's centers. So that's, winning faceoffs I mean, is a basically big part of the years. consideration, I think. Yeah, no, it, I get it. Yeah, the only other wingers to win it, Bob Ganey did it, Craig Ramsey did it, and mm-hmm. Dirk Graham. Dirk Graham from the Blackhawks, right? Dirk Graham. Correct. Ramsey, we should have we should have been able to guess because he was a lightning coach for a number of years. Defensive specialist with those Sabres teams in the 70s. Let's put it 80s. this way. Let's put it this but way. It, it's, it's way in the minority. Yeah. Mostly and I it just, is a center. I, do, I mean, if you were throwing Selkie, do you ever think of a winger? No. I mean, it's just well, not. Maybe we should start the Brandon Maybe Hagel we should. Maybe we should. Bandwagon. Because I think Although, if there is anybody. Take, would that take votes away from Sorelli? It probably would. But, I mean, if yeah. there's anybody there that would be deserving, it would be him uh, at that position. I mean, the guy, the back checking, it's elite. He's responsible. I mean, there's a lot of good things to like there. Yeah. So Eagle, like, I don't really like the takeaway stat. Yeah. We've gotten into that. I don't need to get into it again. But Hagel sure. Hagel gets a lot of takeaways credited to him. And you can see, like, he's on puck carriers. He yeah, does he take is. the puck away. He Same does. with Dotsuk. Like, Dotsuk was a magician at oh, yeah. taking the puck away. And I don't put any stock in the in the accuracy of the stat as a whole. But if you were yeah. to ask me, like, Who's the guy in the Lightning that can take the puck away from the other team? Hagel would be one of those guys. He would. Because he's so tenacious. 
He says also, Al does, this may be a little early if history is any indication after the deadline. I wonder if we might see a couple of surprise signings, locking up Hagel and Colton with the anticipation that both Kalorn and Stamkos take team-friendly contracts in the future. Well, Hagel would not be eligible to be re-signed until, I think, July 1, because he has another year on his deal. Yes. I believe, I believe Colton is... At the end of his contract, he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. So you could theoretically get him re-signed. I'm sure conversations like that are happening behind the scenes. I think yeah. any time that you're well, he mentioned the cap. after next year though. So my internet, I'm afraid to add any windows. So why don't you guys look up and see how many more years Colton has on his deal? Go to that trusty Steve, old Steve can look it up. Steve's. We're getting our I staff. thought it was one year left with, with arbitration rights after this year. Right. Hagel, for sure, though, has another year. So he will be up the same year that Stamkos' contract expires. Who is the other guy that I'll mention? Kalorn. Kalorn. Well, yeah. Kalorn is up after this year. So maybe he he's looking at one for each year. He is. So let's see here. Colton, restricted free agent in 2023-24, yeah. as you were saying. And meaning this is his last year. Yeah. Hagel yeah. has one more year at one point five. He and then he's restricted it in twenty twenty four or twenty five. Yeah. I would not be surprised if the lightning looked to be aggressive like Al mentioned. With some contracts well in advance of the expiration of the contract. Well, and let's face it too, you're gonna have Belmar and Perry up. Mm -hmm. In 2023-24, Maroon's up in 24-25. Uh, Ian Cole, you know, same thing, 2023-24. I mean, that obviously you have to sign some other guys. It doesn't necessarily mean those guys, if they come off right. the books, that it's it's going to be everything is smooth. But, you know, well, you're not going to have year, that. Well, next year, as opposed to what we've been talking about with the deadline, where it has to be dollars in, dollars out, next year the cap is projected to go up. Yeah. How much, we don't know, but whoever may not be back next year, you may be able to add a little bit additional salary, essentially, to replace any player that, that yeah. isn't returning. Tough decisions continue to be looked at and, and are going to have to be made, just how it is. But it's, um, it's one out I think the organization will continue to monitor. Basil says... That was a great win against the Stars. Bolts did not dominate play most of the game, but did so at the end. I imagine Dave talks this counterpart with other teams. I'm curious about opponents' impressions about playing the Lightning. Well, I actually didn't see the Stars guys before the game on Saturday, but I did see the ESPN guys. Bob Oshusen, who I'd never actually met face-to-face, -face. he did the play-by-play in Brian Boucher, who I've seen over the years, longtime goalie in the NHL. And I, I chatted with them in the meal room, and the impression that they had was more like 30,000-foot view on the Lightning, which is the Lightning are always there. Like, no matter what happens year in, year out, you know, they're going to be in playoff position, yeah. and they're going to be poised to make a deep run. I said, well, okay, that's fair enough, but let's not forget, you know, they had to replace – deal with the departure, not replace, but deal with the departure of Ryan McDonough. They had to deal with the departure of Andre Plot. They had to deal with the right. departure of Jan Ruda. Like, it hasn't just been, you know, 
turn on the switch and and the thing automatically hums, right? Sure. So that was the perception, I think, from a national broadcast team about kind of where the Lightning are at, which is to say nobody is surprised that they are where they are in the standings, which is to say in a solid playoff position. What Basil mentioned the last three minutes and 12 seconds, that was incredible. The Lightning rolled three lines before the Sorelli goal, and the Sorelli line with Kalorin and Stamkos was the third line, and they scored. And in that time frame, so the faceoff came with 3.12 left in the third period, coming out of the last TV timeout, and it was an offensive zone faceoff because the play had ended, like I mentioned, in the Dallas end, heading into that TV timeout. So the Lightning sent out Point, Kucherov, and Hagel, and they actually lost the draw, but they held the puck in. And they had the puck in the offensive zone for probably a good 40 to 45 seconds. And the best the Stars could do would just get it out to the red line eventually, dump it in, and go for a change. Then the Lightning sent out a line of Perry, Colton, and Domenstikoff. They'd switched up the lines a little bit because they were going with 11 forwards. And that had been a line for, for much of the day. They had it in the offensive zone for probably a good... 35, 40 seconds, and same deal. The best the Stars could do would be just get it out of the zone and dump it in. Like, there was no pressure from Dallas. And, of yep. course, you're thinking from the Lightning's perspective, this is a 1-1 game. At the very least, get this game to overtime to get a point. And there was just no pressure from the Stars whatsoever because the Lightning were doing so well with their puck possession. And then it was the sorelli Kalorn stamp ghost line coming over the boards, and... Headman obviously was was one of the defensemen as well, and they brought it right back in. They cycled it around. They got the stars running around a little bit. Headman stepped down low, got a nice pass from Kalorn, went behind the net, and Sorelli got net front positioning and scored. But even then, the stars called timeout, center ice face off. The Lightning won the draw. Yeah. And Kucherov helped kill some time. They got it into the offensive zone, and the stars couldn't get it out. There were well, the goal was scored with about, what, 47 seconds left or something like that? 40, yes. 44 seconds, 1916. So the Lightning win the faceoff. They get it in. There's like another 20 to 25 seconds killed right there. Finally, the Stars got it out of the zone and, and, and maneuvered it in, and Wedgwood went to the bench. The best they could manage was one centering feed that was deflected wide, and the Lightning cleared it and, and scored the empty net goal with less than a second left. But my point is that if you look at the last three minutes and 12 seconds, the Stars might have had, cumulatively, 20 seconds of possession. Yeah, that makes sense. That was it. Yeah. That was outstanding. I mean, that was... I mean, you Go ahead, say, say textbook. textbook. <laughs> well, textbook in that, like, it's, it's how you dream uh, of, of drawing up sure. the final three minutes in a 1-1 game. Yeah. Where at the very least, you're like, we've lost some games in regulation this year, especially on the road, where we've been tied going into the third. And at the very least, we need to get a point out of this game. We need to Correct. reward Vassie's effort and get a point out of this game. And not only did they get a point out of this game, they dominated the last several minutes and got rewarded yeah. and got a regulation win out of it. Yeah, they did. That's a good point. I, I also wanted to comment, too. You know, you talk about picture perfect or picturesque or textbook, however you want to describe it. That's Sorelli first goal, Dave. The play by Kalorn to chip it to Hagel, mm -hmm. 
Which and came then right Hagel's after another pass. Vasilevsky save on Pavelski, by so the way. So everybody had a role in that. But, I mean, the yeah. passing, that that's one of those where it, it's probably underrated how Kalorn and Hagel were able to get their passes through on tape. But go back and watch it. I, I mean, I'm not saying you, but our, our fans, if they want to, watch Kalorn. Mm-hmm. What a what a pass to Hagel, which then allowed him with precision to get that floater over to Sorelli. And then how about Sorelli's move? Yep. To finish Beautiful. it off. I mean, it was like a lot of things had to go right on that play for the Lightning to score a goal. And they did. I think Chief had the comment in the second intermission. Hagel was smart. Sorelli Sorelli's not the biggest guy in the world. I mean, he's he's strong. He's like wiry, right? Sinewy. There's a Ooh, more than a like fifty that. cent word. But he <laughs> he is that sort of player. But he's like got that. very long arms. Like Chief mentioned, Sorelli has long arms. And what yeah. Hagel did is he led Sorelli, but Sorelli had such, you know, a good reach with his stick. He was able to reel that puck in. So it wasn't in any jeopardy of being intercepted. He had a he had a step. It wasn't a, a full step, but he had a bit of a step on the Stars defender, Lindell, I believe, was trying to catch him. And the way that Hagel delivered the pass, Sorelli was able to to basically keep accelerating and and get in the clear. And you're right, it was a beautiful finish. Forehand to backhand. And he had essentially once he made that move, he essentially had an open net. Yeah, it was it was pretty sweet. And you know, everybody contributed in a big way on that specific goal. But I, I think it you know, also just speaks to the importance, Sorelli to that line, but as we said before, that line has an interesting combination, I think, of whether it's Hagel or Stamkos on it. I think Hagel brings more speed, stating the obvious there. There's a level of grit, and then there's a level of skill that makes that second line different than the first. And maybe it's depending on who is on that first line as well. But I just, it's, it's a nice contrasting style but it's just as effective. And Dave, we, we were just talking about Sorelli having to pick things up a little bit here offensively uh, over the last couple of weeks, and I, I think he's starting to. Mm-hmm. I think he's starting to. Well, and look, they, that that line didn't stay together for the full game, but they did not. The three were together in the Colorado game, and they combined for eight points. And in the game against Dallas, I believe they had seven points, right? Yeah. Because Sorelli right. had three and Hagel and Kalorn each had two. So that's great production. Right. We should not gloss over the fact, though, that while that line, I think, was the Lightning's best line in the first two periods, I mean, the Lightning had some big time struggles. They did. With their play. Yep. They gave up two three on ones in the second period. One of them led to the Ben goal. The other one was actually a big block by Cal Foote. Yep. On Glenn Denning. And, you know, they just... So those were off plays where they had possession. Most of the first two periods, though, they did not have possession. And that is a tough way to play. Huh. That is a tough way to play if you hope to win. Tough way to earn (laughs) a living, as they say, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like... I think Eric actually mentioned this on the last call... And, and I said it with you in our brief segment after the game, that this was kind of the Lightning gave one away against San Jose, a game in which you know they really outplayed the Sharks and lost. And in, in some respects, the opposite was true Saturday, 
where the Stars had the run of play for at least much of the game, not so in the third period, but they did in the first two periods, and the Lightning were the ones to snatch the two points. So you're going to get games like that, but I think as we look ahead to the remaining three games on this road trip, certainly the game tomorrow, the Lightning need to be crisper in their execution so they're not giving up so much possession because Colorado is a team. I mean, we saw it even in the 5 nothing win the Lightning had last week in Amelie. Like, if you're going to allow the Avalanche to have a lot of possession, you better buckle your seatbelts. Yeah. Because they will make you very uncomfortable. No doubt. That's a good point. You got to be- make them best you can play without the puck. Well, and think about it, too. Like, if you're Dallas coming out of that game against Tampa Bay with no points, you've got to be shaking your head a little bit, right? Right. Especially after the way they played. got a point against Well, that's what I say. Yeah. Yeah, And again, that kind of speaks to Vasilevsky, and and maybe we shouldn't be as hard on the Sharks' overtime loss as maybe we we were, understanding that in that case, the Lightning got a point. How how would you like to be Dallas and not have any points Mm -hmm. after the way they played through the first two periods? You know, yeah, they that... got Boston. They got Boston coming in tomorrow. Yeah, they're in an. I didn't actually mention this on the air. Dallas was on an eight-game homestand that was interrupted by the All Star break. So they played four before the break, four after the break, and in the first six games, they were three zero and three. They had lost three games in overtime of the shootout, but they had won three. They actually won the first game. Then they lost three in a row in overtime of the shootout, had the yeah. all-star break. Then they beat Anaheim in a shootout and then had a win against Minnesota. So they lost in regulation to the Lightning, but that was their first regulation loss in a while. So they have done well to kind of get points out of games. Yeah. But this is a this is a tough one to finish out the homestand where they have the Bruins coming in who lost Washington. Mm-hmm. And it was a doubleheader on ESPN. That was the second game of the doubleheader. By the so way, the I Bruins think Bruins are like the Lightning. Like the Bruins don't like losing two in a row. They rarely have this year. They've hardly lost any games. Yeah. That should be a good one tomorrow. Rangers kind of surging. They've won five in a row. And Carolina gave up six goals. I guess they gave up an empty netter, but five goals on, I believe, 18 shots. Yeah. They're still in first in the Metro, three points ahead of Jersey. Both teams have played 52 games. It's interesting seeing Toronto. They've they've played two more games than Boston. Uh, Boston with 83 points, Toronto with 72. And Tampa with 52 games played, they've got 70 points. So mm-hmm. it was interesting. Toronto was... Toronto lost to Columbus at home. Yes. They did. By the way, uh, you know, Toronto if you include those overtime losses, they're they're about a 500 team <laughs> away from their their home barn. You know, yeah, we okay. talked about the I lightning. was waiting for the qualification. I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mean on, on the road? Yes, correct. Correct. Well, look, the Lightning have not gotten one overtime loss point on the road this year. Hard to believe. Every one of their losses on the road has been in regulation. They haven't had a lot of overtime games on the road. I remember the one in Florida at the start of the year. Yeah. Have they had any others? I think all their other overtime games have been at home. Again, I'm kind of going off the top of my head. I know the Rangers one that was, you know, fantastic. Yeah, that was at home. They've had a lot of of overtime slash shootout games, mostly overtime. Yeah. At home. But they have had games on the road this year in which they've been tied going into the third period and they lost in regulation. And the Saturday afternoon game was one that turned out differently. Usually you say if you're tied on the road going into the third, at least get a point out of it. Correct. 
and I know off the top of my head. So at Detroit, that was a loss. At Winnipeg, similar deal. That was a loss. At Edmonton, that was a loss. That's three in a row. Not three in a row. Three I can think of where they were tied going into the third period and came away with zero. Yeah, good point. What's interesting about Toronto, and I'm going to relay this to Tampa Bay, I was reading The Athletic today, and they were talking about, I guess Pierre Lebrun did a little Q&A with like four executives talking about what the Maple Leafs need to do at the trade deadline. You know, those topics are always fun. Mm-hmm. But they basically Why did he like, focus on the Maple Leafs? Isn't he kind of a national... He, he is, Perspective but I'm, I'm, guy. I'm, I'm, I'm sure right. Toronto's probably in his wheelhouse a little bit, yeah. right? And, you know, he has some connections there. And I, I think a lot of the executives talked about depth pieces, bottom six. One guy mentioned one executive, maybe a little bit more grit in the top six because all of those guys are very similar who they currently have. But it was interesting because he bas- those executives were basically like, you know, Toronto knows they're going to have to play Tampa Bay in the first round. Almost conceding the fact that Boston's going to run away with the mm-hmm. the division. And that, you know, what is what does Toronto have to do to get over that hump? <laughs> against, the, you know, first round, you know, in this particular instance, again, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you wonder if that is the thinking, and who knows, because they were talking about how they're hesitant to maybe give away some of their top players down in, in their minor leagues and, you know, what are they going to do to give up to get that asset? I don't know. The way I kind of looked at it and said, do you do you still feel confident in that goaltending? Well, there are Murray's many goaltenders you can again. get. Yeah. But, I mean, Murray's you can't. hurt again. What are you going to do? I mean, there aren't many number ones out there that you can just get. Well, I will say this, Greg. They will be ready for that series. Just they like they were ready to play in that game in Toronto in December which was an outstanding defensive performance by Toronto. Yeah. They could play like that in a playoff series, whether it's against the Lightning or any other team. They're going to give themselves a very good chance to win. No doubt. It's a good point. One thing Brian Boucher said to me right before they had had to go off and do their thing because – TV has to get to work way before I do. Right? Before the game, I can just sit down as warm-ups start. But he said, with Vasilevsky in the net, the Lightning always have an advantage mm-hmm. in, in just about any series. Right. We've said And that. I know you've said that, and I've said yeah, that we've too. Said yeah, we've said that. But what, what, I, what I came back with was, well, that may be, but that advantage is neutralized if the chance number is two to one against. Yeah. Or one and a half to one against. Because then you're putting Vasilevsky in a spot where he has to pull a number of rabbits out of his hat just to keep the game level. So it's not just a goaltending matchup. It's it's how much is the ice being tilted. And, you know, I think we saw that in the Stanley Cup final last year, frankly. I mean, the Lightning didn't test Darcy Kemper. And some of this was circumstance. Some of this was injury-related. You know, they really got to him in game three. That was a blowout win the Lightning had. But they weren't able to get to him. In other words, make him be really, really good for much of that series. Right. And and that neutralized what I think just about everybody would have said and, and did say the Lightning have an edge in net. Yeah. But 
if all the action or the majority of the action is happening at one end of the ice, then, you know, you're really leaning into that advantage and, and it may get neutralized by leaning in like you're asking your your star goaltender to bail you out. And so that can that can kind of level the ice. If if the ice is tilted, the advantage gets leveled. Sure. And that could happen in a series the Lightning have, whether it's against the Maple Leafs or any other team. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. And I think the question for the team who doesn't have an elite goaltender at this moment, is your team good enough offensively to keep that puck away from your goaltender? You know, I go back to yeah. Matt Murray's really first year when the, when the Penguins won the first of their back-to-backs. And you remember the Lightning had they were up three games to two in that best of seven. Yeah. But and Burry was pulled. He was. And Burry played game five. I thought Vasilevsky was the best goaltender in that series, but the the lightning real like if there was a time of possession. Oh yeah. Monitor like Pittsburgh and they did that that whole Stanley Cup run. They just tilted the ice in their favor with the way they played. Go, 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 go. With the puck, with the puck, all four lines. Mike Sullivan and that and that group were able to dictate play and in many ways protect their goaltenders. That's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Is is Toronto built like that? I think we certainly would say they're top six. But the question is, do they have enough maybe in their bottom six to continue to do that? In that game in Toronto in December before Christmas, they were very, very good at taking away time and space when they didn't have the puck. And that's yeah. kind of what you look at. So like that Pittsburgh team in 2016 – I think they did well without the puck, too, but they were especially good with the puck, right. where they just didn't let the other team get the puck, essentially. Toronto, in that game that they won 4-1 to one with two empty netters, they were very patient in their approach. They didn't, they didn't take unnecessary risks, which is kind of what we said about the Lightning when they came right. into the, that 2019-2020 season and how they played successfully, especially in the bubble, to, to win the first of their two Stanley Cups, and that, that carried over to the next year as well, certainly. Toronto showed me some of that in that yeah, game. Yeah, they did. But at the time, they were a very, very good defensive team statistically, and they've dropped off since. Mm-hmm. In fact, shortly after that, they started really being leaky defensively. I mean, they're still in the top half. You wonder if... You know, they, they've let up on the gas pedal a little bit. They're, like we say, the Lightning are in a solid playoff position. The Leafs are, too. Sometimes it's hard to just play go, go, go hockey by go, go, go. I don't mean up-tempo. I just mean, like, with with your incredible attention to detail. Playing defense is hard, right? Yeah. And and maybe they've had a letdown a little bit or or they've let their foot off the gas a little bit in terms of their attention to detail, it's not really hurt them. I mean, their, their standings position is still very solid. They may end up finishing in third and not having home ice, but they had home ice in their last couple of playoff series and and didn't win. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it doesn't matter to them that much whether they're the home team or the road team. The question is, can they get back when, when the stakes go up? Are they going to be able to get back to playing the sort of Team D that they, they showed for the early months of this regular season? It's going to be interesting. For and sure. I don't have the answer to that. Nobody does. Nobody. But does. I was We're very just... impressed with how they played against the Lightning. We all were. 
in that game in Toronto. <laughs> we all were. Yeah. Even even with their goaltender. <laughs> yeah, I was very critical. Right. He was he was solid. Good enough to beat most teams. Let's put it that way. In a series. Let's get to this last question part and then we'll sign off. Dale says, guys, with Colorado having the last line change, do you still think Cooper tries to in some ways get the Sorelli line out against McKinnon? Well, what is the Sorelli line? If Stamkos is on it, that changes the look of it. Does it maybe matter? Does it yeah, matter? Yeah, the road team, maybe not. I don't know. It may be the D. Yeah. Again, he had Sergachev and Chernak out against McKinnon's line for much of that game last Thursday. Yeah. But what is the McKinnon line? Like, McKinnon did Whoever's not play with, with McKinnon. Rantanen, <laughs> right, but McKinnon right. and Rantanen started yeah. the game on Thursday on they separate did. lines, yeah. and then Jared Bednar moved them together. And we'll see what their lineup looks like tomorrow. Sure. And getting McCarr back. That's going to be huge. If he's able to play. I mean, we don't know that for certain. But if he's able to play, that's a game changer as well. Heck, yeah. You're talking about one of the best players uh, in the game at any position. I think, you know, the way I look at it, too, it, it doesn't matter who's with Sorelli. That will be the shutdown line. It doesn't matter who's with McKinnon. That's who I want my best defensive line to go after. Mm-hmm. So do, does Hagel make more sense on a shutdown line, Dave, than Stamkos for a full 60 minutes? Maybe. We've had that conversation. Do you want Stamkos chasing the other team's best players night in and night out, understanding what you get from Stammer offensively? And also, too, let's face it, his age. Mm-hmm. You know, Hagel's younger. He's got those fresh legs. I mean, his speed never goes into a slump. Here's my prediction moving forward when it comes to the playoffs. I think whoever the Lightning identify as the other team's top line, it will be Hagel, Sorelli, and Kalorn matched up against them within reason. And you're putting stamp ghosts with point and Correct. Correct. Now, again, subject to change in-game, maybe determining you know how the flow plays out. Mm-hmm. But I think that would be my... I think Hagel has shown enough where he can do it. And I think you're not doing anything in terms of a shutdown line without Anthony Sorelli. The other part, too, in a playoff series, you know, you can change your mind. You can start a series one way, and you do have time. I mean, it's not a best of three. It's a best of seven. So you can start a series and kind of see which way the wind is blowing. And it is interesting, probably more so this year than any other in recent history, Coop has really alternated those top two lines throughout the year. I mean, it's the same since Nick Paul and Sorelli swapped shortly after Sorelli returned from injury. Since then, it's been the same six guys. Yeah. But he's really used the two different combinations fairly regularly. Sure. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see that in a potential playoff series. Not not potential playoff series. If we potentially see that in a playoff series. Yes, I like how you phrase that. Good job. Yeah. I don't think it matters like no. who they're matching up against. I think it has more to do with how they're playing. Fair point. And fair point. And he may say, you know, maybe he starts with with the Hagel point Cooch combo and then he decides to 
to go to his shutdown. Well, we'll he call could. It his shutdown line yeah. from a year ago. Could be a game thing, you know, where they are. I think that's a, mm-hmm. a that's a fair point to bring up. Well, tomorrow we're going to break it all down a little bit more. Maybe we'll get somebody from Colorado again. Why not? Mm-hmm. I'll be at the rink. Yeah, see if we can grab somebody. And yeah, it'll be pre-lightning, pre-game morning skate. Yes. That was a lot of pre's. That's it'll right. be pre-lightning morning skate because we're going to be two hours behind you guys. Gotcha. So we're on noon to one. That'll be 10 to 11 mountain time. Okay. I appreciate it. So that. the abs will be on the ice. Yeah. We'll get an update. Yeah. See you in car if he's out there. Good stuff. Love it. All right, partner. Great job as always. Yeah. And uh, we'll do show. it tomorrow. Yeah. Noon to one tomorrow, Eastern time. And uh, thanks to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. Right here on Lightning Radio.